Okay, so we're live. All right. Well, I'm glad to see all you folks who took the time to come and check this out. So I guess I'll just get started with the Mangala Charan. Om Gyanathimirandhasya Gyanjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guruve Namahan Siddhantot Palasar Nityarasikam Hungsang Vilasat Makam Audaryakya Sudhamasiva Katanam Vishrambapati Pradam Yatya Yukti Vichakshanam Twagabido by Sister Shakya Sada Pandeham Tripurari Namakayating Shri Bhakti Vedantinam Vairagya Vidya Nijapakti Yoga Shikshartameka Purushapuranaha Shri Krishna Chaitanya Sharidhari Kripam Budhiryastamaham Prapadye Anarpita Charin Chirat Karunanayavatirnakalo Samarpayatum Unnato Jalarasam Swapakti Shriam Haripurata Sundra Duty Kadamba Sandi Pitaha Sada Hridayakandaris Purutuva Shachinandanaha E Krishna Karuna Sindho Dina Bandho Jagatpati Gopesha Gopika Kantaradha Kantanamostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishuri Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindhubhyayevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha So, uh, as you know from the title of the talk, um, I was inspired to talk about Madhavendra Puri. Um, I, I had read an article by Bhaktivinoda Thakur that was um, posted uh, by Narsingham Raja's people. And it was an article by Bhaktivinoda originally published in the Sajantoshini. And it was about Vaishnav, the Swarup of the Vaishnav and the qualities of the Vaishnav and and that somehow I made this connection in my mind with Madhavendra Puri, I forget how, but uh, and the story of Madhavendra Puri occurs in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhya Leela chapter 4 and it's one of the first Leelas that I, I heard when I joined the temple way back in the day and it was uh, always one of my favorites and so I wanted to kind of go over some of that. There's a lot of a lot of deep um, messaging lessons we can draw from that chapter. That and Sakshi Gopal, but Sakshi Gopal is a bit different. Um, so um, some of those are obviously the qualities of the, de the devotee that we're going to be talking about. Um, there's also Archa Vigraha Tattva which is a very deep subject and not easily understood. I don't claim to. <laughs> uh, and so uh, get my notes and we'll see. So for those of you who don't know the story, we're going to, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, we'll go over the story and we'll also go over the, the qualities themselves in some detail in um not not today um 
in, at least not in detail, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on them today to some degree. Um, so the story of Madhavendra Puri, as you, I'm sure you know, is he was uh, a sannyasi who was medit uh, excuse me, uh, initiated in the Madhva Sampradaya. We don't know by who, really, if we do, I don't know. Um, and he was a bit of an anomaly because he was manifesting this very high, very uh, unique form of love of God, <laughs> um, Madhurya in particular, Madhurya Rasa, which is not found in the Madhva Sampradaya at all. And so <clears throat> the question could reasonably ask, well, where did he get it? We don't know. But Madhavendra Puri is considered to be the seed of that type of love in the world. And it comes through him to Ishwara Puri and then Ishwara Puri to Mahaprabhu and then from him to through the Goswamis and to the, all the way down to us. So he's, um, he's an interesting, interesting person in terms of his, um, we don't know that much about him, but what we do know is he was a very, very renounced person, extremely renounced, as we'll hear. So the story goes something like, and, and here we, we go back and forth between Gaur Lila and Krishna Lila. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas and through the tricks of Nityananda Prabhu, he ends up at the house of Advaita in Shantipur. Even though he had intended to go to Vrindavan, he didn't get there because he was lost in the madness of Prem and wanting to go to Vrindavan. So anyhow, he ends up in Shantipur and they make an arrangement that, well, how are we going to see you? You know, we're never going to see you. His mother was like, I'm never going to see you. And so her decision was that he should go to Puri where at least then the devotees would be traveling to and from, and she could get some news of him from time to time when the devotees would come from Puri. So then Advaita sent Nityananda Prabhu, Jagadananda, Damodar Pandit, and Mukunda Dutt with Mahaprabhu to go to Puri. So they're on their way, and they come to Remuna, the Gopinath temple, and while there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu relates the story of Madhavendra Puri that he had heard from Ishwara Puri. So Madhavendra Puri was traveling and he came to Vrindavan and he was, I mean, he was a, like the Goswamis living under a tree every night, <laughs> a different tree. So he was just sitting under a tree, as the story says, uh, Kaviraj Goswami relates how he's just sitting under a tree and just, and he, his practice was not even to beg. <laughs> this is how renounced he was. He wouldn't even beg like most sannyasis. He would just fast until someone gave him food <laughs> or something. So he's sitting under this tree. He's fasting, doing his bhajan. And this boy appears out of nowhere with a pot of milk and says, oh, who are you? You know, what do you, what, what kind of practice are you, what kind of meditation are you doing? And why, and why are you fasting? 
And the boy says, nobody in my village fasts, <laughs> which is kind of funny because when you find out who he is, it's like, that's true. In Vrindavan, nobody fasts. So nobody in my village fasts. So I brought this pot of milk for me, for you, because I knew you were fasting. Now, Madhavendra Puri, of course, I don't know if he wondered at the time, how does he know I wasn't eating? Anyhow, so, and then the boy says, I'm, I'm a cow herder in this village and I've got to go and tend the cows. So I'll come back for the pot. All right. So he leaves. In fact, he kind of like disappears and Madhavendra Puri is struck with wonder and he drinks the milk and then puts the pot aside, cleans it, puts the pot aside and looks down the path a few times and the boy never returns. And at some point he realizes who it was. <laughs> and he's like, how could I not know? How could I not have recognized that was Krishna? Which brings up uh, a foundational point of tattva that God being who he is, he can, he can show up right before us. And if he doesn't want us to know that it's him, we won't know. <laughs> and if he wants us to know, then we'll know as we find out later on. So Puri stayed awake all night chanting and meditating on what had happened. And, and at the end of the night, he slept a little bit. And while he was sleeping, he has a dream. And Krishna, that very same boy, comes to him in the dream and says, I'm lying in the bushes here nearby. And I've been here a while. <laughs> um, the Pujari put me here because the Muslims were attacking and I, uh, it's kind of hot, you know, come and get me. I've been watching you for a long time. and You're, you're the guy I want to come and uh, establish my worship and tells him to build him a temple, the whole thing. Puri's dream breaks and he wakes up and he realizes who he was talking to. And so then, you know, the difference between it's, it's, it's kind of strikes me how Krishna was standing before him, <laughs> gives him a pot of milk and he doesn't know it's him yet in a dream. He knew anyhow. So Madhavendra Puri then first thing he does is he doesn't hesitate. He gets up and he goes into the village and he gathers all the villagers around and he tells them about his dream. And just based on the force of his love and his conviction, they believed him. <laughs> they believed him and they follow him into the forest. He said, bring choppers and spades and we're going to go and get the deity. And sure enough, they go into the forests, thick jungle, and they find the deity sitting there with covered in grass and mud dirt and whatnot. And he's a huge deity, apparently. He was originally established by Krishna's grandson, Vajra. And he had been apparently out in the, in the jungle for quite some time. And so some strong men gather together and they bring the deity to the top of Govardhan. And they set him on a stone. They put another stone behind him as support. And there he is. And they start, and Madhavendrapuri starts worshiping him. And they do this gigantic ceremony called the Annakut. And Annakut means where you, rice is 
piled in a mountain, little mountains. So they pile up this food and they offer it to the, to the deity and they wash him with hundreds of pots of water from Govinda Kund. And you do this amazing, you know, I can imagine what this, <laughs> what this deity worship looked like. And this goes on for the entire day. And so then he puts the deity to rest and they, they set him up. And so he's done this beautiful worship all just based on his, his bob. And he doesn't eat anything the whole day. And then after the deity's put to rest, he eats. And the next day, the, the villagers got wind of what was going on. And of course, it being a, it, it's Vrindavan. And so they've got faith in Krishna in general. You know, it's not like if this happened in the West, no one would care. He'd be like, whatever, set up your deity. We don't care. They're in Vrindavan. They've got faith that, you know, faith in Krishna. And so all the villagers and the, the, the surrounding villages, they, they all hear this news and then they all want to, to take part. They wanted to offer what they had to the Gopal deity who had so miraculously, you know, uh, uh, manifested himself once again. And so this goes on for days after days, days and days, they're doing this on the Kut ceremony and offering mountains of rice and chapatis and everything. The, the, the villagers would bring everything they had in the entire village. They would empty out their stocks and offer it to Gopal. You can imagine it was a pretty amazing ceremony. Um, just what a time. And then after all that is done and the villagers are, have, uh, when the Anakut ceremonies have been all completed, then um, Madhavendrapuri found a couple of Brahmins from Bengal had come and he liked them. And so he employed them in the service of Gopal. And so the worship of Gopal and, uh, became very gorgeous because some of the people uh, mentions in the, in the Kadiraj, uh, Goswami mentions that some of the people from Mathura who were <laughs> big capitalists, as Prabhupada translates it, uh, they came there and they were very wealthy, of course, and they brought gold and jewels for the deity. And so the deity became very, very wealthy, very quickly. And the worship was very opulent, and gorgeous. And this goes on for a couple of years, two years, until one night, Madhavendrapuri has another dream. And Gopal says to him, you know, I'm still kind of hot. You know, you've done some really nice worship, but I'm still hot. I need you. And it can only be you because for whatever reason, <laughs> it can only be you. I need you to go and get me some sandalwood, Malayan sandalwood. Malayan sandalwood, is, you get that in Jagannath Puri, or apparently it comes from the coast. It's a long walk, let me tell you, 900 and something miles. I looked it up <laughs> on Google Maps just to have a sense of the scale of what was being asked of him and what he was willing to do again without hesitation. So his dream breaks and he starts, he sets up, sets up the worship very nicely, makes sure that it's going to be going on in his absence. And he starts. And so he goes to, he's on, he's on his way to Jagannath Puri and he comes to Ramona, the temple that Mahaprabhu and the devotees are sitting in hearing this story. And while he's there, 
He's sitting in the temple and uh, the arati was going on. Uh, no, excuse me, no, the, the offering, the boga, our boga offering was happening. And he had asked the pujari, so what kind of things do you offer here to, to Gopinachi? And the pujari told him, and uh, the thing that the Gopinath deity was famous for was his the sweet rice. It was called Amrit Keli. It was like the nectar, nectar of the gods kind of thing. It was so good. Um, and so while it was being offered, Madhavendrapuri thought to himself, hmm, well, if I could taste some of that, if unasked, this is how an important point, if without being asked, or if without me asking, some of that sweet rice was given to me and I could taste it, then I could figure out how to make it for my, for Gopal. And just having that thought, he became disgusted with himself, like, oh, just see, I'm a sense enjoyer. I just wanted to, you know, taste what's being offered to Krishna. Even though it was for service, this is the, the mentality of the devotee is that any hint of the desire for sense gratification, which in this case, it wasn't even that, but any hint of that is considered to be just vile by the devotee. And so without saying anything further to anyone else, he leaves and he goes to the marketplace in the, the village of Rimuna. And he sat down in some, the village, uh, uh, the market was already closed for the day. And so no one was there. And so he just finds a place to sit and, do his bhajan. Later that night, the pujari in the temple is awakened in a dream. And Gopal says to him, I've hidden a pot of sweet rice behind my skirt from out of Andropuri. Wake up and get up and give it to him. Find him and give it to him. He's sitting in the market right now. So that's obviously no ordinary pujari, because if he's the deity wakes him up in a dream and tells him all that, that's okay. That, anyhow, so he, the pujari gets up, he bathes, he goes in, and he finds, sure enough, he finds the pot hidden, you know, behind the skirt of the deity. Now, how he didn't notice that there was only 11 when they took them off the altar, because they offer 12 pots every day, I don't know. But again... I guess that's the trick of the deity. So he, get, he has this pot of sweet rice. And then, you know, it's the middle of the night. Well, Krishna tells you, you got to do it. You got to do it. So he goes in, into the marketplace and he's calling out in every stall, Madhavendra Puri, who, you know, will the devotee Madhavendra Puri, you know, please uh, speak up because Gopinathji has stolen this sweet rice for you. And finally, Madhavendra Puri hears him. And the pujari delivers the sweet rice to him. And then he, he goes back to the temple. Madhavendrapuri honors that sweet rice. He and he breaks the pot into pieces and wraps it up in his cloth. Now, I don't know if this was a fired pot or not, but the story says he ate a piece of that pot every day. If it was a fired pot, that would not be fun. Anyhow, <laughs> but he had such, you can imagine the amount of, the degree of his faith in, in Krishna Prasad was such that even the pot, he ate the pot 
that it came in. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I, 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 that's still, I find that just like, wow, okay. That is, um, he's, he's pretty serious. Anyhow, so he, he's sitting there in the, in the, in the marketplace and he realizes that pretty soon people are going to get wind of this. The villagers are going to just basically inundate him. You know, they're going to find out that he's a saint, that, that Gopal has, uh, Gopinath rather, has done this for him. And they're going to want to find him and talk to him and get his blessings and all this. And so he leaves. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> so he's heads back. You know, heads further on his way to Jagannath Puri, which and finally he does. He goes to Puri and, and um, he gets there. And of course, he tells the devotees there. So I've been sent here by Gopal from Vrindavan to get sandalwood, which apparently, even in those days, was not an easy task. And this stuff was highly regulated. Is you can't just take it out of the country. The government tightly controls it. Um, then sounds like, and as it is now, you can't just go and get sandalwood and just do what you want with it. It's it's um, such a precious commodity that uh, it's not easy to come by. So anyway, he he acquires a bunch of it, um, one mound, which apparently is 80, 80 pounds. And then he got a, a bunch of camphor, a few ounces of camphor. And then a Brahmin and another fellow were sent with him to help him carry it. So they're carrying this sandalwood and the camphor back. Now he's on his way back to Vrindavan to Gopal. And again, he comes to Ramona. He spends the night in the temple there. And then while he's there, he has another dream. <laughs> and Gopal says to him, so, well, you don't, you, you don't need to carry that all the way back to Vrindavan. You can grind the sandalwood and put it on my body, put it on the Gopinath deity, and I'll accept it, which he does. So for a whole year, every day, he employs all these people grinding this sandalwood. And 80 pounds of sandalwood is going to take a long time to grind. If, I don't know if you've ever ground sandalwood. It is hard, very dense wood. And when you grind it, it's not fast. It's a slow process. Anyhow, so they grind it and they put it on the deity every day until the stock runs out was the instruction from Gopalji. So he does that. He stays there the whole time. And once that, once the stock had run out, interestingly, he doesn't go back to Vrindavan. He goes back to Jagannath Puri. And, and then after that, uh, I don't recall what he does after that, but he, so um, it's a beautiful narration of just, and, it, and there's so many, uh, so many threads that we can pull on or so many little, yeah, that we can follow. And what got me thinking about the qualities when I read this story again was, it was one in particular, just, I, I, I just was meditating on how he was meditating, sitting there in the, in the, in the marketplace and his quality of his, his humility and his, his not wanting any personal honor for himself to the point where he just 
even the idea of the villagers coming in and finding him was, <clears throat> excuse me, he wasn't having it. So he, he left before that could happen. And then that just got me thinking about his other qualities that had manifest, um, which we'll go through when we start getting into the qualities, which um, I guess, well, it's already 10 after nine, I guess um, probably should stop there or yeah, I'm gonna save some for, we got three more talks to go. So we got to save some for later. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of the story. It's a, again, it's a beautiful story. And um, Mata Vendorpori, I mean, what an amazing person uh, that, that his love was so, so intense. And he must've been like, these people must've met him and they're like, who, what, who are you? What are you? You know, he's manifesting these symptoms that they've never seen before. Um, he's just kind of, like I said, he's an anomaly, especially in the Madhva Sampradaya. I mean, yeah, they've got love for Krishna, but not like that. So he, um, his example is something that we can learn a lot from, which we'll hear in upcoming talks. So I'll stop there and see if anyone's got any comments or questions. Chitta Prabhu, can you hear me? No, oh, I can't. She's on the phone, so. Yeah, I'm not hearing anyone. They have to mute the original audio and then, and then choose their language, choose English. Well, I'm on the phone and it's not working, but if anybody's hearing me, maybe they can ask for me. Yes, Is I there can. any reference? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, uh, is there any reference to who Madhavendra Puri is in his previous life or in Krishna Leela or? Okay, one second. Oh, I can see in the participants list that she's calling in from a landline. And I don't think you can get through when there's interpretation, you can't get through on a landline. I tried that once. Okay. So, uh, so we heard her question. Um, she's asking if there is any information on who Madhavendra Puri was in his previous life or in Krishna Leela? Uh -huh. uh, there may be some information like that. I've never heard it. Um, what little I know of Madhavendra Puri, I've only gotten from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, I mean, maybe in, I don't know if one of the, the Deepikas, like the Gorgano Desh Deepika says who he was, I don't know. So you'll have to say this again because she can't hear me now, I think, but it says in Gorganadesh Deepika that Madhavendra Puri is a, was a wish-fulfilling tree in Vrindavan. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, now, now that you remind me, now that you say that, it reminds me I have heard that. Yeah, they, some say he was a, a Kalpa Vriksha. Um, others say that he was a Gopi, but, you know, 
I don't personally know. And he hasn't appeared to me to tell me, so I can't say. Thank you. She thanks you. No, she says thank you. Well, if that's all the questions and comments, then I guess we'll call it a wrap and see you here next time. And so, and apparently, uh, uh, Padmanabha Maharaj had wanted me to be the host so that I could set people up and everything, but apparently that's not how we're doing it. So I'll just, same time, same channel next week.